you think of that beat? Yeah, it's awesome. You like that beat? Yeah, it's great. Your kind of thing? I mean, I know you've criticized my music in the past, like when we're playing soccer. When have I? Nah, <laughs> I, I, like the thing is, that's crazy. Sad. Like when we play soccer, your your music's like a good beat for soccer. My stuff is like a little bit. It's, it's not right. People have complained actually. What's yours like? Just all like Elvish music. Nah, just like uh, <laughs> Elvin rap. music. Not Elvish, Elvin. Yeah. Rap music, yeah, rap music is good for soccer. Well, I, well, no, I don't know. Well, Irvin didn't like it. Did you play it one time? Yeah, because you were here, so I, I put my music on, and he's like, "I don't like your uh, music, man." And I'm like, oh, "Man, you know, you could, you could." That's choose. one dude, and who was Ivan anyway? No, <laughs> no, no, he's he's the best no defender one. in the in the game. Best defender in the game. Is he now? I don't think so. Yeah, you don't think so? Okay. Actually, can't remember who, who Ivan is. No, Irvin. Um, oh, Irvin. Irvin's the um, Asian dude with Arsenal, <laughs> which is like eighty percent of the players. Doesn't run. Doesn't run. Irvin. Oh. Um. I'm trying to get this sleep up my. We're eye. gonna have to cut this out, aren't we? Right, right. <laughs> yeah. Why should we? This is a podcast. <laughs> oh man. We should probably welcome everybody to the podcast. Um, this is legit cool. Welcome back, everybody. <laughs> Welcome back, Tony. Hey, thanks for having me again. Great series. Episode. <laughs> you always say great series. I want to make. I want to start off with a high. To be fair, this episode I enjoy. So you know what? I mean yeah, it today. This is the best I mean it today. And what is this episode that we're reviewing and recapping today? It an episode of Rings of Power. Well, no, Lord of the Rings: colon, Rings of Power. Oh, there we Episode go. Episode 3, Adar. That's smooth. Maybe you should do my intros. It's factual. It is factual. Episode 3, called Adar. Is it Adar or Adar? I actually probably think it is Adar. Yeah, I think you're right. I think it is Adar. Yeah. Um, they only say that word once in this episode. No, they say it heaps of times. what I recall. That's the thing. Oh. This is the cool thing. You know, like, <laughs> there's a lot of shout-outs. Why do I only remember one time? Is that because it's like right at the end? Like that's like the last thing they say is Adar. Like, but yeah. No, but well, they refer to him a couple of times. But I was gonna say like you know this this show seems to shout out the Shadow of Mordor slash Shadow of War games quite quite a oh, lot. Okay. Because in that game, whenever like a top tier orc shows up, everyone else is like, like chanting his name, right? And in this one, mm-hmm. when Adar shows up, they're like going Adar, 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 and I'm like, oh, that's, that's cool. That's why I remember it. That's from because because it's a chant that happens at the end. Yeah, and he's kind of like walking the gauntlet. It's like the game because when yeah, it's cool. It's a cool throwback. Yeah, actually, I remember you saying that it was very game like in that last scene. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You should play that game, man. I, I know. I mean, it's a single player game. It's not really your thing, but it's a fun game. Is it on PC as well? Yeah, Shadow of War. Okay, it's good shit. I'll, I'll have a think about it. I'll have a think. I mean, I'll probably just go as far as thinking about it, really, to be honest. <sighs> yeah, there's, there's no competitive aspect to it, so you get bored. i got too many things on my plate, man. When do I have time to do that? Yeah, it's a long game, too. It takes, like, 100 hours. <laughs> you ain't going to get there. Nah. Damn. All right, so we're here at Episode 3, Review and Recap. And, and like, like we said, listeners, uh, we both really enjoyed this episode. Well, maybe, I don't know, really is probably a push, but <laughs> we enjoyed this episode a lot more than the last two. It was actually kind of interesting. Um, I don't know if that's true. Okay, there are great parts and there are terrible parts. 
and yeah, um, yeah. not to be like. So but it's the best episode by far, right? Like for sure. Is it like? I think it is. What about? Oh wait, no, no, no. Sorry, sorry, sorry. What about the Galadriel bits? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> No, I, I'm, I'm actually I'm conflating the two episodes. I'm conflating the scene that we both really love. Yeah, in, in um, episode two. In, in episode two. I'm conflating that with episode three. Yeah. So it's my bad. So I take that back, listeners. I forget what I just said. But I love the action scene. The action scene is fantastic. Aaron Deer, fantastic. Mm. Aaron Deer is good. Good on this. I think there's, he's the best in this episode so far. Yeah. You find out a bit more about him? I mean... Technically, it's the same stuff you found out before. He's a heroic dude, but um, he's... I mean, it's it's kind of leading up to that, right? Yeah. You know, when you meet him for the first time in episode one and two, it's like, yeah, he's he's got this hero arc that he's trying to accomplish here. So I get it. I get where he's at. We're gonna throw him in the rubble soon, which is what happens in episode three. Throw him in the rubble, and then now it's all about how we're gonna get him out. Yeah. So uh, before we get into the review, though, we should probably mention that this is a new director doing episode three called Wayne Yip, which uh, I believe just going by the last name, I, I believe he's from Hong Kong. That seems um, kind of funny. We're pretty <laughs> racist when we were watching this episode. I remember I thought, I'm like, there's going to be some good choreography in this one. And oh yeah, I, there was. I wasn't wrong. Yeah, there uh, was some good choreography. I mean, it was amazing choreography, but it's the choreography that I wasn't expecting to be in this kind of series. Best in the series so far, easily. <laughs> We're only three episodes and then we're like best. But even Halbrand's fight's reasonably good. You know what I mean? Mm. Yeah. You get two fights. Yeah. You get, yeah, you do. Yeah. Get some two solid fights, the rugged and all that. Um, if it's your first time here listening to this podcast, we are, um, well, the format of the podcast is really we just review, we recap, and the recap is us taking you all the way through an entire episode of a series, which is currently what we're doing, or the entire film itself. So we go through the plot from beginning, middle to end. Um, we're spending about sort of 45, 40, 45 minutes on each uh, review and recap for the Lord of the Rings, Rings of Power. We always today go is over. Episode three. Yeah, we always go over. We, we like to talk a lot, but I think... Hey, wait, uh, it's 7.50. Uh, we lock it down. It's 8.30. <laughs> 8.30. Locking it down. I mean, we've got a timer here as well, so we should probably keep an eye on the timer as well. Oh, sure, okay. um, but, you know, it's 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 probably valuable for you as a listener that you love to hear people like us nerd out about certain things in TV series and movies. Um, and that's what we do best here at Logical. We nerd out. Yeah? Yeah. It's pretty fair, right? We do, do it pretty well. Listeners. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I think that sneezes me. <laughs> Oh, Jesus, excuse me. Yeah. I don't know that sneeze has been um, out in the entire day, to be honest. Oh, man. Oh, I just really love that. That, that post All right. <laughs> Some good sound effects for the podcast. <laughs> Sorry. Apologies, listeners. Um, let's get into this. Uh, so starting right from the beginning, this actually takes off directly after episode two. Uh, episode two, we see... Um, Arendir get captured by um, the dreaded orcs. And um, this episode begins with Arendir being uh, brought before an orc legion. Okay, there's there an orc legion now. Hmm. Um, he's chained up along the way with a bunch of prisoners and forced to dig. They, seem, uh, they also seem to be working on behalf of someone called Adar. 
the name of the episode. Uh, well, being an alias for this is possibly like an alias for Sauron is, is kind of what a lot of people are saying. Um, I don't think this is an alias for Sauron. I yeah, I, think, I doubt. I it. think this is just. I, I think this guy, this Adar person, is person. Are we calling these things persons? No. Yeah. Um, dude. <laughs> <laughs> Call him a dude. This Adar dude. Um, I think Adar is probably just the equivalent to the Witch King of Agma from. You remember the Witch King of Agma? Not particularly. No. Is he just like one of the Return of the King? He's like just one of like the, the top dude in the the race. Is that what you're talking about? Yeah, in Return of the King, mm. the Witch King of Agmar is that um, Nazgul orc thing. Nazgul orc thing. Yeah, okay. Yeah, that Top Nazgul tier. orc thing that that wears that gets the the crown. What am I saying? The crown, the helmet, whatever it is, like that really pointy looking black helmet. Oh, the one whose like head gets chopped off. He gets head, yeah, head chopped off by um, Aragorn. Yeah, not head chopped off. No, no, no it gets stabbed in the face by. Um, the chick. Oh, you're talking about like, like, like the, the King Wraith. Yeah, okay. King Wraith, yeah. Yeah, King Wraith. Okay, yeah. Aren't the King, King Wraith yeah. um, all humans? Aren't all ex-humans? Well, I think all orcs are. Oh, no, the orcs are ex- um, And Adar is an elven name, apparently. Elven word. Because all the elves uh, got, like, offended. Okay. Yeah. Well, I guess, yeah, what I'm trying to say is, like, maybe this is the, the Adar is, like, the equivalent to the Witch King of Agma. Yeah, know. maybe. Like, I'm thinking, like, a lower-level dude, but, you know, like, middle management in the Orc uh, hierarchy. <laughs> <laughs> you're on level four, man. You're not on level 12 at the moment. Yeah, yeah, he ain't ready. But he's working up, yeah, you know, ready. tell you what, he's, he's running a good team. He's running a tight ship. Um, we find that out in this episode. Yeah. It's pretty, it's, it's pretty savage, this whole pit thing. Um... Any 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 clues as to why they loved digging pits? Well, no, but the, isn't the premise? Um, and they, they alluded to this, and I don't think it's this year overall premise. But they're searching for the sword, right? So um, oh, the woman's yeah. kid has a sword, and they were like saying that like the orcs are all looking for this artifact, and they kind of like speaking about it as if it's uh, they they worship it. So I think it's the key to making Sauron come back. If I'm guessing. Okay. Yeah. So I think the, the the digging of the trenches is to go to all the towns and steal all the people in order to steal the swords, I suppose. All right. I believe you. <laughs> <laughs> it's like because they, they dig these kind of pits and stuff in Lord of the Rings as well. But, but I know in Lord of the Rings, the reason why they uh, dig these kind of pits is to do with like um, trying to get lava or something into... It's some kind of workflow thing. It's got to do with like workflow labor. Oh, or and they hate sunlight, right? Like in this episode, they're hating sunlight. Like, oh, crazy. yeah, they hate sunlight. I don't remember them hating sunlight at all in Lord of the Rings. Uh, yeah, like they were like, in the sun a lot. You made that last, point, right? Yeah, yeah. The last two battles were literally in the sun, and they're just like chilling. They're, they're loving it. And these guys are like, no, the sun. We're vampires now. Yeah, yeah. I did like this episode. Um, like it showed the whole prison gang thing. I like the fact that the elves were captured because you know what. My biggest issue with Lord of the Rings in general is that elves are all... Elves. Yeah. Like, super powerful. They're super powerful. They're on top of everyone. You know, we should beat the rich. Like, like put them in chains. <laughs> I'm kidding. Jeez. <laughs> okay. I'm just saying, like, it's cool to see them dehumanized in a way. They're in trouble. They're having a tough time. Um, there's that mm. scene, you know, when, like, um, he stands up to them. And I actually, I found it kind of weird. Like, so the elf stands up to the orc. Because like he doesn't want to cut that tree because the tree's been around for a long time. They offer him water, mm. 
they think it's poison and they it's not poisoned. And then he just like cuts mm. one dude's throat. <laughs> at, at the time, I was kind of thinking this was a weird scene because I was so tense about the water. And then I realized, okay, yeah, the water wasn't actually poisoned. Mm. But, but looking back on it, I'm like, it's kind of cool that like he did this whole tense, like mistrusting scene and then ends up just like, you know, like, oh, the water is fine. It's fine. You can drink it. You can trust me. And then boom, I'm just going to cut your dude's throat. It was very bizarre. Eh? Yeah. Like, um, um, and this is actually quite a quite a bit away from the beginning. No, no, it's right. Just skipping the recap. It's at the start, man. It's at the start. It's just the second paragraph. Is it at the start? Yeah. <laughs> I'm reading ahead of you. I think it's at the start, actually. Is it? No, nah, look. Um, I think the notes here are a little bit scrambled, to be honest. Ah, uh, we're all right, man. <laughs> yeah. We're going to jump around a little bit. It's linear, but it's also kind of not very linear. Yeah. <laughs> um. Yeah, so, you know, when the orcs are slash um, it was Nick for questioning their way, arguing against chopping a tree, Arundel instead steps up and volunteers to do it, not wanting any more bloodshed. Meanwhile, Gladiator wakes up on a ship alongside Halbrand. It's funny because the, the way she wakes up in this, like in the, in the scene directly after this, right? The way she wakes up, it's like as if they're implying that she dreamt about it because she kind of jolts up. She, it's like she had a nightmare. And she, right, you're saying that, like, and, and you made that comment, like, oh, man, if she can see this. I feel like if you were happy or sad about it, but you kind of mm. thought that, like, oh, she can see that happening as yeah, part of I was her like, dream. Oh, dude, is it, yeah, is it, is she getting a premonition or something? Or yeah. It's, it's, she's, get, she's getting these visions as uh, Aaron Dare, whatever is happening. I don't know. It's, it's like, her powers are still kind of murky for me. They're not, they're not very clear what she can and cannot do. I mean, she kind of have an, have an idea that she has a bit of, um, Magic mysticism to does she? Because like it, it implies so far, all I've seen is just she she cuts stuff real well, uh, <laughs> like, <laughs> arts and crafts. I just like she's good at cutting up trolls and stuff. You know what I mean? Like I feel like I don't think magic has she. Maybe not magic, but she has some kind of mysticism to her. Do, do you think? Like you know, with all the kind of visions that she says she gets. Um, <clears throat> Oh, okay. Um, she, she kind of implies that she has some kind of imbued uh, visionary power, whatever that is. Yeah, okay. I, I Maybe didn't catch that's something that else. That's, yeah, because the way she talks about how there's a how there's a threat coming. That's the thing. That's the reason yeah. I hate her so much. Like she's just always talking about why is there darkness in my heart? And I'm like, I don't know, man. Go see a therapist. Like, uh, <laughs> yeah. Where are these dark thoughts coming from? To be fair, this, like this is like uh, the first steps of a serial killer. So yeah, uh, <laughs> like, she's right. Like, don't get me wrong, she's right. But, I mean, just saying, like, oh, the evil must still be out there because I'm still quite sad. I don't know. Yeah. It's, it's like, she talked about how she gets a feeling for... Or she, I don't think she uses those words, but she insinuates that she has this feeling of an evil is coming. Yeah, like, um, she knows. And, like, she's proven she right, so I can't really talk too much crap about her. But it, it's not... She, like, I'm not surprised no one believes her, is all I'm saying. <laughs> I don't blame them. <laughs> Savage, savage! You are savage. Um, yeah, she's she's kind of one of those weird um, old chicks, like in um, that has those strange, like palm telling rooms. Oh uh, yeah, city. fortune tellers. <laughs> yeah, tell you like star side. Yeah, fortune tellers. She's kind of like yeah, a weird old fortune teller lady. Because like. Um, I mean, I like, just to sort of go back to this scene, though. I think it's, it's kind of cool that we see the new Minorians, and I think it's cool that their town is so pretty. Like, 
every town is really, really pretty in this, which is really cool. Because, yeah. like, one thing I was thinking about sort of after the episode was, you know, Mordor um, doesn't exist yet. Sauron isn't mm-hmm. powerful yet. And all the towns are really, really or good. Or does it? Maybe it does exist. We just don't know. Oh, yeah, maybe it does exist. Okay, maybe this entire point doesn't make sense then. But, like, mm-hmm. um, all the towns are really, really pretty. But then in Lord of the Rings, they all look kind of crappy. And mm. I feel like that's because of like the the devastation he had. Not before. all of them. Like Rivendell looks amazing. Rivendell is How small it? though. Like Rivendell's not. It's small, not big. But um, what's the other place called? Um, Minas Tirith. Like that looks freaking insane. Which one's Minas Tirith again? Is that the um? That's the White Castle. That's the second to last battle. There's the pa- there's the battle on the Palinor Fields, yeah. which is the second to last one. That's the Palinor Fields ah. is just outside. It's the field that's outside of uh Minas Tirith. Oh, yeah, it looks okay. Minas Tirith. looks okay. What do you mean it looks great? Hey, Numenor looks way nicer. <laughs> but also, te- technological limitations of the <laughs> early 2000s, come on. Yeah, uh, I give it a pass for the, that. But I'm thinking, like, um, there's a storyline reason for it, man. A storyline reason for that technological advance. <laughs> it, it doesn't actually visually make sense, right? It's like, we're in the past here, but then how is, like, the past looking way better than the future? Because when Sauron shows up, he wrecks a lot of stuff, and they're just in the middle of a rebuild. You can make it work, no, but like middle, the whole of Middle Earth is is uh, not impacted by Sauron at that point. In in Lord of the Rings, oh surely. I mean, maybe he did some bad stuff. Like it's already been like a hundred years removed, right? Like there are potholes that take longer to to fix up. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like you're wrong. Yeah, I'm probably wrong. <laughs> I'm just making stuff up. Um, <laughs> so yeah, so Gladio, uh, she wakes up on the ship, she takes a bowl of food, uh, from him and hunger, hung, okay, let me say this correctly, hungrily, <laughs> why did I struggle to say that word? Hungrily gulps down its contents. Uh, she's distrusting of those who have picked her up as the ship arrives at the land of the star, the island kingdom of Numenor. I really like that name, Numenor. It's a cool word. I want to live. I want to live in Numenor. It sounds like a nice place. Like from just watching everyone, you know, they got jobs. They got like pretty strong unions, which I'm a fan yeah. of. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you love your union badges, do you? Yeah, I love, I love my union union badges. You know, you got to make sure that like you know, you're all protected, strength in numbers. So, so you're out there like protesting with the um, train drivers. I like them to to a, to a degree. You know what I mean, like. Before I have to do anything, is sort of where I start. I, I, hope, I hope that degree is uh, well before it turns into batons and chains and <laughs> and guns. I'm, I'm well before that. I'm well before getting out of my house. Yeah. Good man. Good man. Um, yeah, uh, Numenor looks like a great place. It's beautiful. You're right. Like socially, so socially, um, economically, it looks like the most beautiful place as well. Yeah. Um, a lot of people working, a lot of middle-class people, a lot of high-class people, whatever. Anyway, it's a flourishing town, a city. Elendil is an uncommon name, but it originates in the West, meaning one who loves the stars. Now, we know this name, Elendil. I actually picked this up straight away because I remember Elendil. You did, yeah. Is it Elendil or Elendil? <laughs> I think, I don't know, man. Okay, maybe it's just Elendil, I don't know. Yeah. Or maybe I typed it wrong, or... Uh, the people listening right now. I think it's spelt like, that way for sure because I've got subtitles on. Uh, I just okay, get how they okay. said it. <clears throat> right. I'm pretty, like, 
I keep thinking they say it is a lindial, but anyway, let's not linger on that too long. Um, a lindial is, a, is an uncommon name, but it's common to us if we're seeing Lord of the Rings, which is the light. It's, na- it's the name of the light that Galadriel gives to Frodo Baggins. Um, it can also colloquially mean our friend. Oh, I never knew that. I found that. Did I say that in the episode? Yeah, yeah, Queen Regent. <laughs> like, so she, uh, this is the thing that annoys me. So she hates elves, right? Like she's clearly mm. deposed her dad, who was an elf-loving person. She got bullied when she was young by elves. By an elf, yeah. I think she was the one in the, no, the start no. of the first episode. It wasn't Galadriel. Some elf destroyed her boat, her little like made-up boat, and now she's mad at them. for it. Nah. Um, <laughs> so, like, she's kind of like, do you know what your name means? And I, like... Okay. She's so emo. Eh? In- what is with all these emo characters in this series? I, I give them fantasy, but it's just kind of silly. Like, There's so many you know, of them. Like, your name means elf friend. And he's like, yeah, okay. And she's like, are you an elf friend? And he's like, uh, not really. And then <laughs> she's just like distrusting him. Like, it just, it's just, it's his name. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's kind of lame. Um, however, the queen regent is not happy about picking him up. About him picking up Galadriel, warning that it could be a treason. In order to quell the quell that, what is that word? I've never so, even heard of that word. Yeah, quells like you know, like I don't know, calm it down, slow it down, kind of thing. Like, are you sure? Yeah, like he's like saying, he, he's, like, in order to quell the treason, he has to do her a service, which I found also kind of oh. weird because she's like, you have to do me a service, and the service mm-hmm. is like look after her, which is pretty. You don't have to phrase a job like that. In that but way. I know she's the queen and everything. What is she referring to? Is she implying that sh- she's done something for him? No, no, he has to do something for her, right? She says he must do her service. But the thing that's kind of funny is the service is literally take care of the prisoner you've just brought in. Like, it's a very, very basic, mm-hmm. uh, almost expected mm-hmm. service. The thing that this, mm-hmm. this um, run-through doesn't really go over is, like, that scene where Galadriel and um, Halbrand are sort of, like, in the court talking to oh, yeah. um, the queen. And this is one of the parts that made me sort of dislike Galadriel, where she just stands there, and she's like, mm-hmm. I'm going to leave because I want to kill, you know, Sauron, pretty much. And they're like, yeah. hey, you're not going And you guys are, like, holding me back right now. Yeah. yeah, and then she's like, no, you'll leave and we want you to leave. And she's like, well, I'll cut you all up. And I'm like, come on, dude. Like... <laughs> <laughs> she was just swimming in the ocean, was gonna die. Every Everything that she's done in this series so far... Is has all been reactionary, but also like I don't know, I don't understand your deal, Galadriel. Like I don't know where your temper temperament is. I, I don't know where your temperament is, and I don't know how far it goes. I don't know what you're angry about. Yeah. Like you know, I, I don't understand like these kind of outraged uh, outbreaks. You know, because she, she's like the commander of the Northern Armies, and it's like she has very little commanding skill from what I've seen so far. Like she's just, yeah, she's definitely got no leadership skills. Yeah, one she's, just like, she's like, it's like you took the best fighter and you just sort of gave him the best job, gave them the best mm-hmm. job. Uh, she mm-hmm. shouldn't be the commander. She should just be like, you know, like this top tier fighter person who comes in and, and kills a bunch of stuff, but don't, don't let her lead. She's got no tact. Yeah. She's got no, like she tact. moans a lot. She's yeah. pretty whiny, but um, <laughs> yeah, I know. But yeah, you're right. You're right. Uh, that that sort of scene is uh, not in this part, but yeah, we can go over it as well. Oh, we just did. I guess. Um, <laughs> Galadriel makes her way down to the dock, seriously contemplating stealing a boat from some innocent fisherman. <laughs> so she's a stealer as well. Yeah. 
and Lindell shows up and tries to stop her. As a result, she takes out a knife and questions him, arrogantly proclaiming, who is the mortal who speaks to me as if he is the slightest idea who I am? (laughs) Anyway. She's meant to be our protagonist. She's just constantly coming off as a terrible human. I know, right now we don't even, like, root for her at all. Because Elrond, like, it's not even, like, a race thing. Like, Arondir is lovely. Elrond is lovely. So it's just Galadriel mm. is a terrible... I can't actually... Terrible person? Anyway. Yeah. She's a bit of a... Bit of a bitch. That's for sure. <laughs> oh, so we can swear here? <laughs> well, bitch is not really a swear Come word. Come on. You would get MA15. <laughs> uh, you can swear. Just not... You know, we're, we're not rappers. <laughs> Yeah right. <laughs> so, so don't turn this turn this into like a death row podcast or something. You should. But yeah. Um. Yeah. She's 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 a bit of a bitch. She's a bit pretty whiny. Bit of a sissy bitch. Um. Actually, the, the other scene that uh, do you remember the scene that I was commenting on while it was happening while we were watching it was when they arrive at the beach. Um. Isildur and um his oh his yeah is that army before this? They, I think it is, isn't it? It's no, no. It's just after this, um, but I didn't quite put it in this part. Uh, Isildur arrives at the beach with on the boat with his uh, friends. Oh, his, he's his, his oh, army, yeah, 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 yeah. soldiers. Um, and this whole scene, in terms of cinematography, I swear they just got a different person to do cinematography in this part because it just looks so cheap. It actually looked like a scene from Home and Away. Um, the yeah, the, the the cinematography just looked really kind of cheap. Like, still crisp. It's still got its clarity, but it's, like, iPhone video clarity. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, <laughs> um, like the lighting just wasn't the, that great. The exposition uh, – sorry, not the exposition, but the composition didn't look finished. Um, the grading of the scene – it just looked like a cheap TV series. And because it was on a beach and these guys are probably not, in, in my opinion, not the greatest actors, it just felt like home and away. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, what is it? Australia's uh, second greatest. To be goal. fair, I mean, that's like, I'm, I'm totally um, speaking out of line here because I've never really seen Home and Away. I've only seen shorts for it. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, yeah I, I mean, be it didn't here. look that good. <laughs> no, it looked, it looked terrible. It looked pretty awful. <laughs> um, it reminds me of the next scene, which I, I loved. I absolutely loved. Which is. Uh, <laughs> The horse, yeah, the horse scene, man. God, oh my goodness, what is with this scene? Um, so, uh, we're at anyway. When Alan Alindel, <laughs> Alindor, when Alindor mentions the Hall of Law, the pair ride off together, prompting a cheesy scene of Galadriel smiling and riding her horse across the beach. My favorite scene, actually. Just, I mean, ironically, it's it's awful. Why is she smiling? Why are they zooming in on the smile? Why is it in slow motion? I didn't get any of that. It was crazy. It's so, it's, it's so weird. It sort of plays into that same kind of randomness that this character has, which is us cut, like struggling to understand, like, what's her deal? Like, yeah, we, we get what she's angry about, but there's all these kind of random outbreaks that she has and really strange, like, offensive comments that she says to people. Yeah. And then... The scene where she's just riding on the beach. Like, what is she happy about? Well, it's not even about, like, just the character development. It just felt kind of, again, like, this This felt like a, a sitcom. Not a sitcom. What's the term? 
Um, Home and Away death movie. Thing. Like it's just yeah, it's just it, it was silly. I don't know why that thing. It was really silly. Like it's so slow, the slow motion. <laughs> yeah, it's like an advertisement for um, horses. <laughs> no, not even horses. Like uh, I'm thinking of toilet paper right now. I don't know why. <laughs> it's like an advertisement like for like an ad. Yeah, like Purex toilet paper or something. <laughs> it's so slow. They slowed down the frame rate in this so much. It's it's so dram- like not even dramatic. It's melodramatic yeah. and weird. It was. I mean, maybe we're getting too hung up on this thing, but it was just, it was weird to watch. Everyone, I think we have every right to. It's just such a strange thing to have. Like, <laughs> what's this got to do with her? Like, <laughs> yeah. Anyway, so they're writing to the Hall of Law, right? And in the Hall of Law, Gladio learns that there's an account of a human spy retrieved from an enemy dungeon and has drawn the mark of Sauron. We haven't actually spoken much about the mark of Sauron. Do you have any thoughts? Any kind of? I mean, um, I have thoughts about the mm, mark of Sauron. I find it weird if it actually is like. It's kind of funny. She she looks at the mark and she's like, oh, "It's not a mark. It's a map, right?" <coughs> And then she, like, turns it sideways, and it just so happens that it looks a lot like the map. Funnily enough, the maps are not drawn particularly well, so, like, that's mm. kind of a stretch. And two, if it is really just a map... Oh, okay, no, I was about to say something, but I understand it now. I was going to say, why is he imprinting it on people? Why is he imprinting it on his sword? And I'm thinking, okay, maybe it's, like, a return to sender type thing. it's just kind of and the thing that i hate about galadriel and like um all her scenes is that her scenes more than most has like uh, what's the term like like deus ex machina like uh it's just a lot of things that just kind of magically work out for her Mm-hmm. Like, uh, she's stuck in... Like, too convenient, you mean? Yeah, it's too convenient. Like, she's, she's in the ocean, she's drowning. Oh, to the boat. Oh, the boat's not doing well. Oh, to the bigger boat. Um, and I mean, then... supposedly she would be able to survive that anyway, even if there was no boat, right? She's an elf. I don't know. Like, she, she, yeah, uh... like she was going to die. But then, like, um, she doesn't know where to go next. She can't leave. Oh, the Hall of Law is around. She gets to the Hall of Law. Oh, she finds the thing that she's looking for straight away. Turns out it's, like, her... The, the, the symbol is a map, so now she knows where to go next. And then, like, spoilers for the rest of this episode a little bit, but then in the Hall of Law, she finds out that this person that she just happens to be next to because, like, Halbrand, he used to be, like, the king of the Southlands. So he's, like, super involved with the place that she has to get to next and is super important. Like, it's just her storyline has a lot of that. Mm, yeah. Which... By the way, uh, speaking of Halbrand, we're back in Numenor. Halbrand speaks in riddles and tricks before showing how dominating he can be, taking out four men who attempt to attack him in the other way. Uh, there are blood splatters across the wall, but when the Royal Guard shows up, he's stopped in his tracks. Um, what do you think about this whole scene? Because these these uh, so-called thugs, would you call them thugs? I think just. Yeah, just just dudes that want to bully this guy because they want to they don't want to be sort of um, I guess stood up by someone like uh, Halbrand, but um, they're kind of disposable characters as well, right? Like yeah, for sure. But this whole thing was sort of designed so that we can understand Halbrand's position in terms of uh, his nobility, maybe uh, his strength, and I don't know his 
personality. Crappy. Yeah, it's personality. Well, the thing that's kind of interesting about Halbrand, I thought, like, this scene was pretty good at giving you a glimpse into who he was. Like, um, you can kind of see the entire time he's drinking with those guys, he's um, pretty mad but, like, sucks it up at the last second. Mm-hmm. He's, just, he's just constantly about to, like, say some terrible yeah. stuff to them, and then he yeah. holds it down. So you can kind of tell that he's got a temper and he's a kind of, like, an angry guy already mm-hmm. and then when he finally like breaks um it's expected and two he's like really good at fighting which probably wasn't expected <clears throat> yeah yeah he's definitely got traits of a, of a leader for sure yeah he's, he's got those like classic uh, leadership traits which is he tried his he tried his best to run away from the whole situation mm. you know he he gave them a chance to be like look i don't want any trouble he tries to run through them which is like the worst way to escape yeah like, if you're gonna escape you can run straight into the crowd <laughs> You wanted to fight him. Oh, yeah. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I thought that was just a poor, like, not just decision on his behalf. I think it was just poor choreography, the fact that he runs into Like, it looked really theater-like and staged. Mm. So I was like, yeah, this choreography is not quite working. But then when the fight itself is brutal, it's it's very street, and it's kind of realistic. It's, I liked uh, that, like how brutal it was. It kind of showed that... Mm. Um, yeah, he, like when he went, like he got really angry. Like he's like he's screaming pretty much when he starts that fight, and then yeah, he's Man, like, when he breaks that guy's arm as well. Oh, oh, wrist. I can't like, believe they showed that jamming faces. Doesn't they show like PG? <laughs> Is it PG? Because no, there's a lot know. of gore in this episode. There's a lot of gore, a lot yeah. of gore, a lot of stabbing, a lot of bones breaking. Yeah. And he slams that guy's forehead into the concrete as well. well I mean, it's like when you get to the wolf scene <laughs> at the end, in, in the middle, I guess. Um, the what scene? The wolf? Is, is it a wolf? I'm not sure. Like the, the orky wolf he starts eating the guts out of like. Oh <laughs> yeah, that's rough as guts. <laughs> that's right. I totally forgot about that. What happened here? Yeah, that is that's rough. There is a lot of happen there. Um, so you know, back in the Hall of Law, Gladio learns that there's an account. Oh, actually, I read that. I actually skipped um, a part. And went back to it. <laughs> well, I was like, oh, you skipped something, but then you went back. It was, it was perfect. Perfect, perfect. All right, let's skip that part. Yeah, blah, blah, blah. Um, meanwhile, <laughs> we get more drama with the Halffoots. Um, they're about to migrate, but before they go, that strange wizard, Gandalf, question mark, <laughs> homeless Gandalf. Homeless Gandalf, I love that. Shows up in town and says Nori's name. Nori wants to break free from the laws of Halffoots, but despite... What the laws say that she's been decaravaned. Decaravaned, yeah. <laughs> Why do I say that so weird? Decaravaned. <laughs> is that even a word? Decaravaned? It is now. We all know what it means. <laughs> the Brandyfoots are still allowed to continue on, but they need to be at the back of the group instead. Despite struggling to begin with, this wizard shows up and helps push their caravan on. Like the more the more we learn about this, even though it's slow learning about this homeless wizard dude, I'm pretty sure. Like I'm ninety eight point seven six percent sure that this is Gandalf. Really, I'm I'm not sure. I'm I'm really still on the sort of the middle part. Um, He's doing the things that Gandalf would normally do. Oh, okay. And and also figuring himself out as well. <laughs> the kind of interesting is that we don't really. That makes sense. Like like I I both. I mean, I'm pretty sure you you don't as well. Like we don't know the origins of a wizard, right? No. And 
Um, they probably explain that in the books, or you see the listeners right now um, that are probably Lord of the Rings experts would, would know that there's whether or not there is an origin story as such for the wizards. But it kind of makes sense if you know wizards have these wizardry magic powers. Yeah, I guess that would come from space. <laughs> I think like oh yeah, I don't know. Like the thing is, we haven't read the Silmarillion or whatever, right? Like we're just people who who watch the shows, so. Mm-hmm. But yeah, the thing that's kind of interesting here is that we didn't really the, this this um doesn't really talk about the fact that like she's trying to help him find these stars and she's using like the 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 leader's book to do it. But mm. you know what's kind of I think with the Halfwoods, it's crazy that like I don't want to make this more political again. I probably shouldn't. <laughs> but like <laughs> you know when they're there and they're saying like, hey, you know these people. Um, and then everyone's like, we'll wait for you. And then it's like, oh, this, this family is like, oh, we'll wait for you. And it felt like kind of thoughts and prayersy. Like, it's like. Thoughts and prayers. Yeah. Like, yeah, these people oh, are dead. Oh, and they're just talking about the ceremony, yeah. the sort of vigil that they have. The vigil that they have for everyone who's funny, died before. Funny like, that you say that. Funny ah. that you say that because when they were, when they were, um, uh, responding, like when they were. How would you call it? Yeah, responding as a as a congregation. Yeah, that's a religious term. There you go. Congregation. Yeah, go. When they were responding, um, we will wait for them. I I actually thought they said, um, pray. Let's pray for them or something. Yeah. Well, that's pretty much what they're doing. It's like I, th- I thought that's what they actually said, and I had to listen to it again. I was like, oh no, they said we will wait for them. The reason why I felt we it was like a, a prayers. Uh, thoughts and prayers type of thing was one. It seems very religious, like the ceremony. Well, like seems pretty I mean, religious. I'm going to be like maybe a bit controversial, but like you know, these are people that are dead. These are people that they probably could have helped and didn't, mm. and now they're dead, and so they're just offering mm. like empty kind of sentiments to these dead <laughs> people who are now gone. That's why it felt. What makes you think they're empty sentiments? Because think about it, like like if you think about like sort of this caravan, right? Like they move. And evidently, like, there's not a lot of protections to the people in the caravan. It's like, hey, keep up or you won't keep up. And if you don't keep up, you're probably dead. Sorry. Like, there's a lot more they could do to help everyone get along, and they just don't. So you're saying these guys were more just more or less giving lip service? Kind of. Like, I I think clearly they could help more Harfoots get to the destination if they were like... Yeah, some of them do feel... I feel like a lot of them do feel very selfish. Yeah, like, it's know? kind of crap. Like, he, he hurts his foot, the, the dad, so he can't, like, travel quickly. And then they're losing mm. their minds, like, oh, my God, we, we, our foot's broken. And I'm like, oh, surely, you know, this is going to be fine because the, the wife in the last episode went on a rant about how half-foot stick together, you know, we stay safe, <laughs> we're, we're together. And I'm thinking, okay, this is, like, a very supportive group of people. But evidently, you hurt your foot before migration, you're pretty much dead. And you know what really pisses me off about this? This is like, I'm going to stop the rant after this point. Like, the leader says, you know what? Nori's young. We're not going to decaravan her. And um, you're meant to think that, like, this leader is a very, very kind leader for not, like, following that rule. And then he says, but you're going to travel in the back? I know your foot screwed up. So evidently, like, he, unless he's an idiot, he knows they're going to die, right? 
they they probably don't because of the stranger, but as far as he's concerned, like they're probably going to die. And it's like a Bond villain esque thing where he doesn't actually <laughs> shoot them, or like a Batman type of thing. You know what I mean? Like when mm. in Batman Begins at the end of the film, when he's like, "You, you, um, I, f- I forget what it says, but it's like I don't have to kill you, but I don't have to save you," and he jumps away mm. from the train. Yeah. Yeah, dude. Like the, he says that to Razagul. Yeah, the the guy is the guy's gonna die. Like you know what I mean? Like it's a very it's a very odd type of line you're drawing there, Batman. When a guy wow. with a crashing train, and you're like, I don't have to save you, so I'm not technically killing you. I'm gonna go now. Well, um, yeah. I mean, that's that's moral dilemma for you. Um, he's not killing. He's not killing Ra's al Ghul any more than he would be not killing someone that is dying in another town close by. Yeah, I suppose. Um, but I mean, like, I guess... The act of not saving somebody isn't the act of killing someone. I, I know what you mean. Okay, so that, I've kind of undermined my own <laughs> argument. But I think, like, this leader here is sort of saying, like, we're not going to decaravan yeah, you. Yeah, I agree. We're that. putting you at the end. Your foot's broken. Mm. Uh, yeah. The chances of you dying is pretty high. And he seems. Yeah, I, just, I just feel like this society of half foot people, um, they're selfish. They have their own kind of set of agendas that is really. It feels like it's intrinsically um, about the, in a way, like um, the best interests of themselves as opposed to the rest of the people. Mm. But on the, in the same voice, they say that we're all for the half foot people as well. So it's. It's a little confusing. I think it's a little ambiguous, but um, we're going to learn more about them. They're definitely my least favorite part of the show. Really? <laughs> Even with Homeless Gandalf? Uh, actually, no, second to last. My, my least favorite part of the show is Gladriel. <laughs> <laughs> I'm thinking, yeah, Gladriel's eventually going to go good. There's actually, it reminded me, what you've highlighted now is like, there's a good part of Galadriel in this episode. I want to talk about that. Mm. Okay. Oh, maybe it's this next part. Because over in Numenor, Lindel's daughter is accepted into the Builders Guild while Del- Galadriel visits Halbrand while he's behind bars. Apparently, Halbrand is actually a king. As he approaches the bars, he tells Galadriel, quote, I am not the hero you seek, for it was my family who lost the war, unquote. Um, that's very much what a hero would say. Mm, that is I am not the hero you seek. I am not the one you seek. Interesting, but though, it's... I feel like he might actually become like an evil dude, right? Like, because mm. I mean, technically, this is a prequel to Lord of the Rings. It's probably going to be a bad ending. Like, for mm. him to become a raven, for, him, for Halbrand, yeah, it's pretty high. I mean, he could just die though. He could just die by the end of the It'd series. Be so much or... cool if he became a wraith, though, because <laughs> because I I feel like the the stuff that we've learned about Halbrand so far feels like the same character tropes and characteristics of someone like uh, Aragorn, yeah. you know? And, and I would assume that Halbrand would be the father, um, Isildur, as opposed to the Isildur that we've met so far. Mm-hmm. Granted, we've only met Isildur for like 10 minutes or whatever, mm-hmm. <laughs> not even that. Um, you know, we're going to learn a lot more about him, but it just feels like he's he's got those same characteristics that 
Aragorn has. Yeah, and I like the idea that he has that sort of rage bubbling inside him, so for him to turn evil seems like it, it's reasonable and possible, and the thing that I love about this is that, yeah, if it were to happen, it would make sense for his character, which this show mm. has done a great job of so far. Mm. <laughs> but, um, yeah. One more thing on that, uh, on his sister getting accepted into the Builders Guild, why is this even in this scene? Like, what is this about? Like, is this their way of saying, hey, we're also, like, diversifying the the trade of builders that are dominated by men. So we're just going to say that we're going to put the daughter in there as well because you got accepted and we're going to celebrate this. Like, where does this even come from? I think, like, so there's probably a little bit of that, but I feel like this scene was trying to highlight the fact that Isildur, for some reason, doesn't want to go straight into, like, sort of boatmanship. But mm. they also, the fact that he told her to sign up for Builders Guild implies mm. that he's not, like, just a lazy layabout. He wants to defer his boatmanship for a real reason. That's kind of mm. what I took out of this scene. Yeah. It just seems weird. Like, I, I know we also learned that he backs his sister a lot. Like, they've, they've got a really tight relationship yeah. just from that s- small scene. But it just seems like a weird choice to have in a series. Like, why do we need to learn about his sister? Why couldn't they write a different scene where we get introduced to the sister in a different way? Um, I don't know. I just thought it was, like, super odd. I was like, why? <laughs> why is the daughter being accepted into a builder's good? We didn't even know the daughter. <laughs> yeah, that's true. But, I mean, I just feel like uh, I, I hope that was the purpose of it, in which case it did a good job. Like, it, it kind of showed him as, like, he's got something on his mind and he wants to, mm-hmm. I don't know, do the right thing or something. Because I think, yeah. doesn't um, Elendil say, like, you know, there's nothing for you in the West, son? Mm-hmm. So there's something he's he, chasing. Like his, his dad's trying to tell him to do what he's supposed to be doing, right? Yeah, just go be a boat person. <laughs> mm. <laughs> he's not destined to that because he's a king. The cool thing I like about this scene is that you see a little puppet show where um, everyone's cheering and Galadriel is killing orcs. And mm. you kind of realize in this scene that Galadriel is super famous to the Numenorians. Like, she mm. is the orc killer. And yeah. they all kind of, like, love her. And I thought that was really, really cool. Because then, like, um, it wasn't just the fact that she was an elf. It was kind of like she was the elf. That's why everyone mm. kind of freaked out. Um, yeah. I know. I love that kind of stuff. Yeah. Is that the scene that you were saying that was, like, the best? Yeah. That, that made me, like, happy to see Galadriel. I'm like, oh, this is kind of cool. Because when they say, like, you know, oh, an avalanche starts with just a rock or some crap. <laughs> I was just like... <laughs> The Come metaphors on. in this show, dude. Yeah. So but good. then, like, if you know that that particular rock is, like, a big deal rock, like, that's the kind of rock that, like... Because you know the Queen Regent hates elves, and you know the Queen Regent is, like, holding power through probably some sort of nefarious means. So mm. if the most famous elf ever shows up, it's reasonable that she's worried about that. I feel you. I feel you. For sure. Um, so... Um, where are we already? As he approaches the budget, yeah, got that. Uh, Galadriel is determined, though, and asks Halbrand to join her in their trip over to Middle-earth so they can redeem both their bloodlines. So this is the best connection we've got so far between the two characters of Halbrand and Galadriel. Mm. Um, because, you know, it was a pretty cold introduction to their relationship. It's like, why, why does he even care to, like, save her? Like, why does she even... Like, except the fact that there's a random dude that's going to take her on a ride somewhere, right? Um, now we've got real connection here. And I've, I sort of argue that this connection should have been established a little earlier, at, at least 
at least not like right at the beginning, but sprinkle something that has got to do with their bloodlines. They could have spoke about the families or something at some point. Mm. So we can see that there's some kind of thread because otherwise they spent, I don't know what it was, 25, 30 minutes of them together for no real reason. Like, I mean, just tagging along with each other. To be fair, I feel like you can't, I mean, for, for a like exciting thing to be exciting, you have to have like the, that change what's the, what, the surprise factor right like it, mm-hmm. it's got to start off as nothing and then you find out oh my god he's like a special thing i don't know mm. I, but usually when you when you bring two odd characters together there is something that um they connect on this there's some kind of level that they connect on when it comes to chemistry i feel like these guys just have zero chemistry from the beginning yeah I, I get that i get that you know so you can still have have the connection mysterious but at least have some kind of chemistry so that you have a little bit of drive for each other like yeah like they had no reason to root for each other right yeah one could have left each other dead but they decided to just go with it <laughs> it was so. kind of weird like i feel like again this is like sort of them running themselves into a corner where you've got like this proud single-minded galadriel and you've got this like mm. technically like kind of a proud um how brand they, they yeah i feel like without this yeah. exposition it's hard to write them in a way where they actually do care for each other for sure for sure. As the episode closes out, we cut back to the orc pits one more time as Arendir and the others work together to try and break their chains. A game of tug and war ensues, leading to Arendir jumping high, almost like the uh, 300 scene. Do you remember the 300 scene where um, Michael Fassbender jumps really high? In 300? Sword. In 300, yeah. Michael Fassbender's in 300? Yes, that's how he. That's how I first saw him. Holy crap! I did not even. He's the, he's the dude with the long hair. Well, actually, they all. A lot of them have long hair. But, Man, but he's the guy. He's the guy with the long hair, and he does this like awesome jump off a rock, mm. and he has the sword in his two in both his hands, and he slices. Who does he slice? Can't remember. Can't remember who he slices. Mm. But yeah, that, that's that's the first time I ever saw Michael Fassbender. Damn. Okay, no, I didn't know yeah. that. Anyway, that that that's what this scene reminded me of was was that three hundred scene where he jumps in. The air, except the three hundred scene was way better. <laughs> a bit better. <laughs> it's a bit better. Yeah, stylistically, it's hard to beat Zack Snyder. Um, yeah. So, um, yeah, Game of Thrones leading to Arendor jumping high and breaking the flimsy roof. Um, the orcs bring out a single wag to try and stop them. Arendir defies the laws of gravity and takes it out single-handedly while also fending off the orcs too. Unfortunately, it's all in vain, as the orcs decide to venture out into the sun after all and <laughs> pull him back down into the pits. Um, so uh, apparently the sun's not that a big of a deal. <laughs> I mean, they don't like it. Like, it's sort of like... Yeah, uh, but like... They're pretty fearful of it. Like, yeah, they're like, <laughs> they, burns, they, they burns, the sun. Yeah, it burns. Like, we're like vampires or some shit. <laughs> and right off the back of seeing his Alfred take several hours, uh, arrows to the chest, Alfred the shadow steps Adar. But the image is blurry, so it seems we'll have to wait until next week, <laughs> aka in the next couple of days for us, yeah. because we're catching up, um, <laughs> to find out who Adar is. And that is the end of episode three. Um, just looking at Adar walking into frame and it's blurry and stuff, he actually reminds me of an actor. 
in New Zealand, a Kiwi actor. His name is Jed Brophy. Okay. And Jed Brophy, um, if you're listening to this episode, Jed Brophy, <laughs> thanks for tuning into the best co- no, the best podcast. <laughs> Thank you for tuning into our podcast. I'm pretty sure you're not listening to it, but who knows? Maybe I just send it to you on Instagram. Um, anyway, it kind of, he kind of looks like Jed Brophy, and Jed Brophy was in the Lord of the Rings um, trilogy as well. Is that offensive though? Because like, uh, you know, he's like a an orc, right? <laughs> no, Adar Adar looks like he's he's in his transition phase because he looks yeah. he looks like an elf, yeah, he but he elf. looks like a dead elf. You know, like he looks like a vampire elf. Just I, like the image is blurry, but he was cool looking. Um, he wasn't. He, he's he's cool. He's long hair, very gaunt. Like he actually looks like a vampire elf, um, and it kind of looked. Like he, he just reminded me of Jed Burphy. So Jed Burphy, um, well-known actor in New Zealand, being he's in the entire Lord of the Rings trilogy, and he plays about three characters, I think, in the Lord of the Rings trilogy. Um, and Jed Burphy's just pretty much been in every single Peter Jackson movie since Peter Jackson started. Damn. Yeah, and he's always been in a mask. He's always been in costume and stuff, and he's always like playing these um, really creative and weird characters. So he's always usually behind mask. Um, it's very rare that you get to see his full face, but his full face is like gaunt, slender. And I kind of remember that. I was like, oh, maybe Jib Brophy's in this, but I, I don't think it's. That would be cool. <laughs> uh, I mean, like, what did you think of the episode? I mean, and then this scene just for. Uh, this scene was cool in the sense that, like, you, know, you, you see a lot of cool. This is the best action scene in the entire show. One thing I did like mm-hmm. about this was that. Um, you know, they, 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 the entire time they're in the pits, they're like, oh, you know what, we're going to, the sun's going to get hot, we're going to make a break for it. And, like, the plan seems legit. And then, like, the entire fight scene, the tension is building, like, how can someone get up over the cliff? Because once they're there, they're home free. And then mm-hmm. you see one guy actually get up there and go over the cliff, and then he just stops because he's just shot in the face, with, uh, shot in the chest with arrows. And you kind of realize that these orcs are not, like, terrible they're not they're not dumb you know what i mean like they're, they're running a pretty nice yeah like they're, they're just they it's not like you just get out of the pit and you're home free it's like they've got they've got things in place yeah i just like that because like um i kind of hate it when villains are not shown to be uh adequate <laughs> mm, <laughs> like yeah. when you see a villain who's like smart it, it makes it more um impressive when they win yeah, I think the tension's just much stronger. Yeah. Uh, stakes are a lot higher. Um, and things are more risky. But yeah. Overall episode. Okay, so we did, what, six or something for the first one. We did, like, seven. I did at least seven for the second one. Mm. I would rate this on par with the second one. So, like, yeah. there are some cool things. There are some bad things. Like, it doesn't reach the highs of the dwarf no. dinner scene. But it also mm. doesn't reach the lows either. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I would agree with you. I'd give this a seven out of ten as well. Yeah, nice. Um, we're yet to we're yet for the series to actually do much, um, like a lot of heavy lifting right now. It's just kind of cruising, but but I do think the last two episodes were much better than the first ones. Yeah, I, I think like the Arendir story, like the cool thing about like you see the orcs, you see what they're doing, like it's really putting a face to the name of like this is what everything is sort of coalescing into. I quite mm-hmm. like that. Like, it's just starting to pick up a bit of steam. Um, this yeah. one had, like, a lot of exposition, which I'm generally not a fan of. Like, in the mm-hmm. gradual scene, it's just a lot of, like, people telling you things. Mm-hmm. Um, As opposed to doing things. Yeah, I'd rather them show, not tell. You know what I mean? Like, just classic yeah, for sure. filmmaking stuff. Classic good filmmaking stuff. Yeah. 
All right, man. That's the end of our episode. We went a little bit over, but that's okay. Um, we are going to be bringing you episode four once we catch up on episode four. Um, so we've only got episode four and episode five to catch up on, and then we're pretty much up to date. Um, but I hope everybody's excited um, for the show. Um, a bit more excited than we are. Well, we're, we're kind of excited. I'm getting, right? up there. Like, I mean, I'm getting up there. I'm feeling it. Best series that I've ever done a podcast on. That's for sure. <laughs> it's like the only series. I've done. <laughs> <laughs> You cheeky, you so cheeky. Um, you get a laughing track. Nice. That, that's not a laughing track. That's a cheering. I want to Here's here's a laughing. Yes. That's actually a good laughing track. <laughs> <laughs> um. Yeah. Thank you for everybody for tuning in on this episode. We hope you hope that you guys are enjoying our reviews and our recaps. Tell us what you think, and social media is probably the best place to tell us. In the comments section, you can find our social media handles in the show notes here. Um. Thank you, Tony, for joining again. Yeah. Thank you for having me, man. It's a great series. <laughs> it's a great series. Um. We'll catch everybody in the next episode. Bye for now.